Shalom, everyone. It's time for Ancient Jewish Wisdom for a Modern World that will change your thinking and change your life. Welcome to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom, everyone. This is Rabbi Brian, and we're glad you've joined us for another episode of the Dust of the Rabbi podcast. So excited that this third season has produced so much great conversation for you to not only listen, to learn, but to download ancient Jewish wisdom. And we are continuing with some bonus episodes. And the last one we just did was on the first part of how to have a prophetic prayer life. And this is going to be part two of that concept. So we talked about Luke chapter 4, we read 14 through 21, we talked about Jesus, Yeshua, going to the synagogue on Shabbat, on a Sabbath day, as was his custom, to teach in the synagogue, specifically to be a reader in the synagogue. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2a is what we were reading that he was quoting when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And my prayer today is that you would have a prophetic prayer life, that you would have the Spirit of the Lord come upon you. And you would be able to proclaim liberty to the captives, that you would be able to preach the good news to the poor and the brokenhearted, that you would be able to not only see healing, but restoration, recovery of sight to the blind, the opening of the prison houses to set the captive free. We want a prophetic prayer life in this new year of 2024. And we did seven episodes with Pastor Obed Martinez. He has been such a great man of faith and pastor and shepherd to so many people. We call him the bishop because he has been an overseer to many churches and ministries for years. And he was ordained a bishop as well as a pastor, just like I'm a pastor and a messianic rabbi. And And those were great talks that has really stirred up a lot of conversation. And one of the things I was asked even just yesterday is how do you have a prophetic prayer life and how do you pray the word of God to be able to take the prophecies, the promises, the words from the prophets, the word from the apostles and pray the word. And so we talked about this passage in Luke where Jesus is not only saying that he's the anointed one through reading Isaiah 61, he was the one who was going to do healings and miracles and deliverances in the life of Israel. He was going to be the one that was going to do all these miracles. And we know Jesus had a strong prayer life. In fact, in one of his teachings in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us about a prayer life that is powerful, one that I would call a prophetic prayer life. When we look at the Tree of Life version in Matthew chapter 6, he says in verse 5, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, the hypocrites were some of the Pharisees he was rebuking, like you see his rebuke to them in Matthew 23. But he says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. Remember, before there were churches, there were synagogues. And on the street corners, so they got the bugle horn out, if you will, and prayed on the street corners so that they may be seen of others. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong with praying in a synagogue. There's nothing wrong with praying on a street corner. But if you're doing it to be seen of others, that is not the goal and that should not be our focus. It says, amen, I tell you, or literally, truly, I tell you. Remember, amen means faithful and true are the words you have spoken. In Hebrew, amen. He says, amen, I tell you, they have their reward in full. 
But you, when you pray, go into your inner room or the secret place. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. Remember Psalm 91. He that dwelt in the secret place of the Most High God shall dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, Shaddai. He says, and your Father who sees in secret shall reward you. And when you are praying, do not babble on like the pagans, for they think that they are heard because of their many words. Now, he goes from talking about Pharisees who were pridefully praying in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen of others, and he moves on to the pagan world, the complete opposite of the Pharisees, and they're praying to multiple gods and goddesses and deities. Many times they pray with prayer beads, like you see in places like India and other places. And they would pray to these gods and pray for grace and mercy and fertility and harvest. And there's only one God of heaven and earth. There's only one God who brings the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. So when you read this, he says, don't be like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Therefore, pray in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed or sanctified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And most translations say, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. So when you're reading this and you're thinking about how we should pray, He also talks about fasting in verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not become sad-faced like the hypocrites. There he goes back to the hypocrites again. There he goes back to the hypocrites again. He says, for they neglect their faces to make their fasting evident to men. Amen, amen, I tell you, they have the reward in full. But when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, he says, when you fast, anoint your head with oil. I love this. Anoint your head, meaning with oil, and wash your face so that your fasting won't be evident to men, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. So when Jesus talks about having a powerful prayer life, he talks about doing it with fasting. Because he says certain demonic forces and spirits cannot be cast out or dealt with or confronted or overcome except by through prayer and fasting. And the kind of fasting I want to talk about today is what's going to make your prayers prophetic and powerful. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture out of Isaiah 58. Just like last episode, we talked about Isaiah 61, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, that he will open up those prison doors, that he will do great miraculous things when people are proclaiming the word of God and when the Spirit of God is upon them. So Isaiah 58 talks about fasting. Israel was in a state of a little disobedience, and the people of Israel say, according to the prophet, Why have we fasted? Meaning, what's the purpose of fasting? Yet you do not see, meaning God, we're fasting and you're not noticing. Why have we afflicted our souls? That shows us that on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, when it says to afflict your souls, it was referring to fasting. Why have we afflicted our souls or fasted, yet you take no notice? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. This is what God says to Israel. And exploit all your laborers, meaning we shouldn't exploit people especially when we're supposed to be fasting and praying, 
Behold, you fast for strife and contention, and to strike with the wicked fists. He says, you should not fast as you do today to make your voice heard on high. In other words, like Jesus rebuked the hypocrites, he says, you do this to be seen of men. Is this the fast that I have chosen? No, the Father in heaven is saying, do you really think this is the purpose of fasting? A day for one to afflict his soul? In other words, you think I want you to fast so you can be sad all day and feel afflicted and go around saying, oy vey, woe is me, and mope around? He says, no. Is it a day for you to bow your head like a reed and spread out your sackcloth and your ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to Adonai? I love the response here in verse 6. Is not this the fast that I chose? In other words, there is a chosen fast. There is a reason for fasting. There is a purpose for fasting. What is it? He says, the fast that I have chosen is to release the bonds of wickedness. Look at that. Literally, one version says to break the chains of wickedness. He says to untie the cords of the yoke. What yoke are you under? Maybe you have something that needs to be untied, like a soul tie today. Maybe there's some deliverance that needs to take place. Because he says that the oppressed would go free. Maybe you're dealing with oppression. Maybe it's simply depression. And there's some people that even have demonic possession. But oppression is something that believers experience when strongholds take a hold of their life. A stronghold is something that has a stronghold on you, and it's oppressing you. It says to tear off every yoke, literally to break the yoke. Now, what I love about the anointing, the anointing doesn't just break the yoke, it destroys it. But fasting and prayer will break it, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit will destroy it. So first you have to break that yoke before you can destroy that yoke. And fasting is one of the keys to breaking the yokes on your life. And this is another opportunity. It says you're going to be able to give your bread to the hungry, meaning if you're not eating food, then you can share your bread with someone else. That means we should be feeding the hungry. He says to bring the homeless poor into your house. That means they they would feed sometimes those that didn't have food and bring them into their home. When you see the naked, cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh and blood, meaning your relatives. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will spring up speedily, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of Adonai, the Lord, will be your rear guard. He says, you will cry, and he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, and the finger pointing and the bad mouthing, if you give yourself to the hungry, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will be like the midday. Then Adonai will guide you continually, satisfy your soul in drought, strengthen your bones, and he will water your gardens like a spring water whose waters never fail. He says some of you will even rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations and will be called repairers of the breach, restorers of streets for dwelling. If you turn back your foot from Shabbat, meaning trampling all over my Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call Shabbat a delight. In Hebrew, that's oneg, which is an Aramaic term that actually means pleasure. And the holy day of Adonai, honorable, and if you honor it, not going your own ways, nor seeking your own pleasure, nor speaking your usual speech, then you will delight yourself in Adonai, and I will let you ride over the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of your father Jacob, for the mouth of Adonai has spoken. 
So I want you to consider that if you're going to have a prophetic, powerful prayer life, take the words of the prophets and begin to pray them. Pray and fast and believe God for yokes to be untied and for restoration to take place. To pray for chains to be broken, cords to be untied, soul ties to be completely severed, letting the oppressed go free, to destroy every yoke in your life. Trust me, when you fast and pray, not only will your revelation, your light be illuminated and you'll get inspiration from the Holy Spirit, he says your healing will spring forth speedily. Do you know so many people have learned the power of fasting, even if it's not for a prayer, because fasting gives the body the break it needs to recover and to heal. In fact, the world has bought into intermittent fasting. All that is is fasting part of the day so that you can have time for your body to rest, to recover, to heal. It's even a time to restore, replenish. So imagine coupling that physical principle of fasting with the spiritual discipline of prayer. Man, how are you going to do this? Well, one of the things you can do is pray the Word. And one of the things I want you to constantly do is read the Word, but not just read it to read it, but to dissect it, to devour it, to meditate on it day and night. You know, the Bible is very clear in Psalm 1 that if you meditate in the Torah day and night, he says you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. Come on, this year is going to be a year of abundance. We're going to have a year of unstoppable growth because God is going to crown this year with his goodness. Yes, Psalm 6511, we're going to have an overflow and unstoppable growth. I really believe that 2024 is going to be a year of unstoppable growth, and it's going to be a great year of harvest. Every seed that's been sown will grow. Every seed that's been watered will multiply, and there will be increase for you and I when we pray effectively, prophetically, pray purposefully, pray intentionally, and apply the Word of God to our prayer life by praying the Word. Now, How are we going to do this? Now, let me show you a technique that I used early on when it came to studying the Word of God. As I'm reading here out of the Tree of Life Bible, I use a journal to be able to study. Now, you might have highlighter pens, but I'm going to show you four colors that I used early on to be able to study the Word of God. And what I did was I took highlighter pens that had four colors that I got from the Bible bookstore, and it was a pink orange, yellow, green, and blue highlighter pen. I would read scripture, especially like passages in Ephesians where it would say, he, he, him, he, he, him. And I'd say, well, who's the he and who's the him? And so whether it's he, God, or he, Jesus, or he, the Holy Spirit, or referring to me, the believer, or it was a quote from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, I would want to know exactly what was being said. So there would be times because of the pronouns being he, 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 I wanted to be very clear. So I picked the color blue, which is the color of the sky, to refer to our Father in heaven. So anything that was a passage where God the Father was speaking, any passage that dealt with the Heavenly Father, I would use blue, and I would color and write in that color, and underline it with the highlighter, And that would remind me that this is a passage, even with the pronoun he, that's referring to he, God the Father. When I got to Jesus, who is the light of the world, I would use yellow, and that referred to the light. So that was the color I used for Jesus. Holy Spirit, I would use 
the color that was closest to red, which was a pink highlighter. And I would underline anything that was referring to the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of Spirit, or the Holy Spirit's inspiration in my life. For anything that was speaking to me as a believer, I would use the color green, because green is a picture of growth, a symbol of growth. So if it was going to cause me to grow spiritually, I use green. In other words, if it was any verse that I believe it was speaking directly to me on something I should do for my own spiritual growth and enrichment, I would underline it in green. And then finally, I had one color left, and that was orange. So I said, what am I going to do with orange? I couldn't really think of any specific symbolism of the color, but I thought, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if every time I would read something in the New Testament that was a quote from the Older Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, I would underline it to show that the author of that New Testament book was not coming up with that. He was quoting what he learned as a child. Like when Paul told Timothy, you know the Scriptures that you've read when you were a child, those Holy Scriptures, those Hebrew Scriptures. Because many of us don't realize the New Testament wasn't even written in the days of Jesus. They were written after his death and resurrection, up to 20 to 30 to 40 years later. And even the Gospel of John is written around 90 AD, and the other Gospels anywhere in the 40s or 50 AD, around that time period. And we know that the New Testament didn't have a book form to many years later. So there was just the writings of James and Paul that we debate back and forth on who wrote first. But we don't really have the gospel writers writing till even we see Paul on the scene and he's writing to Galatians and probably First Thessalonians. And he's writing these passages to believers because he has to write things down to communicate it. When he can't travel there, he would send a letter. And that would be like his sermon by letter. So we have to think of ways that we can increase our learning. And the reason I love colored pens and highlighters is because when you highlight something in your Bible and then write it in your journal, it allows you to remember where it's at, what side of the page it's on, what part of the page it's on, and your brain starts thinking vividly and creatively to help you retain the information. Another thing you can do is take a pen and write down specific names. So I take my pens and I might write down a name of a person that I'm praying for. Like one thing I do believe in is we should pray for our family, our spouse, our children, and pray for our friends and our neighbors and people that we love and care about. Write their name down. That might require you to ask them what you can agree with them in prayer on. And then write down what they're praying for or the need that needs to be met. And then also write down a promise, a scriptural passage, so that you can attach a promise to each problem. And when you do that, you can put the date where you started praying it. You can also put a date when it was accomplished. Or sometimes I like to take a highlighter and just run the highlighter through that prayer request so that afterwards I can look back at how consistent God is. And every time he's answered one of my prayer requests, I just highlight through because I say that prayer request has been answered or fulfilled or came to pass. 
So that's the way I like to study my Bible. I like to study my Bible and use my scriptures in prayer. So whatever I'm believing for or whoever I'm praying for, I want to attach a promise to every problem. And that also allows you to be open to the Holy Spirit when you're reading a certain passage. You might literally get a passage for someone saying, man, I really believe this scripture is for this person. And God will start using you in the gifts of word of knowledge and word of wisdom and prophetic ways to communicate what the Spirit of God is saying in you and through you to other people. You might even text that person. This verse came to me for you in my prayer time, and you can write it down and journal about it. I often like to do a prayer walk as I did today and as I did the last few days. I walked around the block as cold and as nippy as it was. I put on a nice big fluffy jacket and I made sure that as I was walking around with my headphones on and listening to some instrumental worship music, I was praying the promises of God for the problems I know people are believing God for. So I came into agreement with them. I get to do that for the synagogue. I get to do that for Destiny Church. I get to do that for all of those believers, both Jewish and Gentile, that share with me things that they're going through or things I just know about their life that I want to pray over them. And I encourage you, do that for your children, for your spouse, for your family members, for your friends, for your coworkers this year, and watch God use you prophetically to pray with intentionality and to pray purposefully. Because if you're praying the word, the word only works when you put it into action. And prayer is a great way as you fast and pray, like many of you at Destiny are fasting and praying for 21 days this month of January. Let's believe, God, that our whole year, not just three weeks, are filled with prayer, but powerful, effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous. Amen? And when we pray, let's seek the face of God and the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and not just seek His hands and what He can do for us. Amen? Hopefully you have enjoyed this podcast today. We pray that you will continue to listen. i got some great things coming up. I've been having some great conversations with people about prophecy, about Scripture being fulfilled in our days. Keep on listening. Keep on liking. Keep on loving and sharing this podcast. And we'll see you soon. Lehitrot. Love you. Shalom. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow us for more episodes as you rate and review the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom. Lehitrot. See you next time.